Okay, so anyone who knows me, and honestly, at this point, anyone who listens to the podcast, because I guess we've just (laughs) gotten real close around here, knows that I do not wear bras. And like, that's not some sort of an over-exaggeration. You can ask any of my friends. I truly do not ever wear bras. However, there have recently been some circumstances where like, I just have to. I've been saying yes to more things. I feel like we've been going to more events and there are just some outfits. I got to do it. And when I tell you I have finally found a bra that makes wearing one bearable. Like I'm never going to be an everyday bra wearer. It's not in the cars for me. But when I have to, the only bras I can wear are skims, which I'll get into the specific ones in a second, but we all know this comes as no surprise. Like I have been an OG diehard skims fan since day one. I am a fan of every single product they make. You know the way I feel about the underwear, the clothes, all of it. But now adding bras to the mix, specifically the Fits Everybody t-shirt bra, because You guys know the way I feel about the Fits Everybody collection. I could talk about that for forever, but specifically the t-shirt bra, it's just so comfortable. I don't know, the straps don't dig into you. It's probably the only bra I've ever worn where when I get home, I'm not like dying to take it off, which I cannot express how massive of a feat that is for someone like me. It's just comfortable and it just does what it needs to do. And I am such a fan, which like no surprise, I love everything Skims makes, but here to confirm the bras are as good as you would think that they are. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A through 46H. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And welcome to our Kardashians episode seven recap. Hey, Jewel. Hi, Em. I cannot believe that the one week we choose to take off, which is next week, is the week when Kim breaks down exactly how it happened with Pete. It feels like a really elaborate practical joke on us. Like, are you fucking kidding me? It feels like the kind of thing where I wish we could have just had a schedule of the episodes when we were choosing our weeks off. Especially because with this episode, I loved it. Don't get me wrong. And I am so excited to do this episode and talk about it. But it really would have been the perfect one to have off for. Right. Like there's nothing so deep to analyze here. Whereas (laughs) I could see one of two things happening. Either next week, we're just like, holy shit, we're about to combust. Let's just do 20 minutes and put it up. Fuck it that we don't care that we don't have ads. Or on Monday's episode, we'll devote like a separate 20 minute segment to talking about it. I don't know what's going to happen, but it's going to be either one of those two options for sure. I promise like there's no scenario, like no matter what, in which it doesn't get thoroughly discussed. (laughs) When she's in her confessional, she's like, okay, you guys have been stalking me. I'll tell you, here's how it went down with Pete. I was like, here we fucking go. Like the music was playing in my head. I can't believe they would torture us like that. How do you give a preview where you say that sentence and then it just cuts fades to black and we're just sitting here like blue balled? That's why Ben Winston, he's good at what he does. A little bit too good, if you ask me. Yeah, a little, a little too good. I'm literally sitting here like I'm sweating waiting for this episode to come out. Like, I don't even know what I'm going to do this whole week. And then on one hand, it's like, OK, it's already torture enough to know that we have to wait to watch it. But we also have to wait to even discuss it. I didn't sign up for that. <laughs> OK, well, I don't want to start on a negative note. I just had to acknowledge the elephant in the room because God damn, am I excited for that, you guys. It's going to be, I can feel it. Like we're going to get those answers. It's going to be an amazing episode. I know. This one was good. Like you said, nothing to write home about, no crazy plots to analyze, but obviously had the best time watching as always. What about you? It was just a really fun episode. Like I smiled the entire time I was watching. I know. We also got a lot of visuals that I cared about. Like I have been dying to see the inside of Chloe's house. I thought it was so cool to see Kim's archive. I know she's spoken about it before, but to actually film there, I loved even just to see the behind the scenes of her Balenciaga campaign. I I loved all of it. When they go into Kim's warehouse, I'm not kidding. My jaw dropped like I was staring at that in absolute disbelief. I think that's one of those things where even she realizes how cool that is. Do you know how cool you have to be to look back at all your old fashion choices and want to keep them, not like erase them from memory? Yeah, it's pretty wild. Also, 
I know we've seen parts of Kim's archive before, but we've never really seen it like this in its entirety. And I know we know that she has had it. She's spoken about it a lot. But when you see something like this, doesn't it make so much sense to you that Kim is the one that got Chris the 65 looks for her birthday? And Kim is the one that's behind all of these really sentimental experiences for Chris and for other members of the family. Like knowing that this is how she organizes her own life and kind of memorializes her own life. To me, it makes so much sense that she is the one in charge of those displays. Oh, absolutely. And we said that at the time. I mean, I always think back to the gift that she gave Chris where she basically set up an experience in their old home and brought all of her closest friends. And, you know, even down to the invitation, which was the same pattern as the wallpaper they used to have in their kitchen. Like that is the stuff that Kim does best. Like she really, really knows exactly how to give you something that's equally as extravagant as it is nostalgic. And that is a hard fucking thing to do. It's a hard fucking thing to do, especially in this family. Yeah. I mean, forget about it. Giving gifts in this family would stress me out more than maybe any other thing on the planet. I know. <laughs> that, that Did we talk about this? How in Travis's Architectural Digest tour, he mentioned how the Dior bike was from Kendall? Yeah, no, I, we didn't talk about it yet, but that was such a great point. And what was the other one where he had the matching bike and it was either like LeBron that didn't want it or Dwayne Wade that it didn't want LeBron. it? I forget who he had said. Yeah. It was LeBron. They, they, uh, the, he said that Dior called him up and was like, LeBron didn't pick this up. So it's yours if you want it. He's like, and I went that day and, and got it. You know, that is a funny game that we play, by the way, now that I'm thinking about the gift thing, because every so often I'll send something to you and be like, if I was one of Kendall's friends, I would get this for her. I remember it was like in Vegas, a Louis like Doberman Pincher thing. And I was like, this would be the perfect gift for somebody to give Kendall. <laughs> okay. I feel like it's exposing us because there are levels of weird and I, I have to feel like that is a little bit more weird than the average, like to go about our daily lives and pinpoint things that we think could be good gifts for the Kardashians. But while we're here, yes, if you're like us, I'm telling you, it is one of the most fun games because it's not like you're online scrolling, but it's like you just so happen to be in the wild and you see something and you're like, that's it. I'll tell you why it's not a weird game to play. It's because it is so hard to find a gift for them naturally that you could spend your entire life trying to come up with a different one every single day and have zero success. It can only happen when you stumble upon it in nature. Mm -hmm. Or on TikTok or, you know, wherever it is. But it, you'll you'll just know. <laughs> yeah, you'll just know when you see it. <laughs> Can't. You know what else is crazy? Like, I could tell you with 100% confidence that whatever we ended up picking out would actually suit each one perfectly. Like, I feel good that if somehow we were out and we saw this perfect thing, it's like, wow, this is so Courtney's vibe. And a hypothetical world where dropping 12 grand on a birthday present was nothing, I genuinely feel like she would love it. That's how confident I feel in terms of understanding the different aesthetics of each family member. Courtney, all you have to do is give her Minnie Mouse ears and she's happy. We never talk about Courtney being a Disney adult. Like, we never talk about that one of Courtney's core personality traits is a thing that she would be like severely bullied for online. Yeah, <laughs> I know because she romanticized it in a way. Totally. Wow. John Stamos's wife is shaking. <laughs> Sorry, before we move on, do you think that Courtney is actively trying to buy the Disneyland D that uh, <laughs> that is just stationed <laughs> at the Stamos home? Yes, I was about to I was about to go there when I said the John Stamos's wife thing that I was like, nobody's going to get it. But now that you did. Yeah, absolutely. I, I have to imagine that that's something on her list. Have you ever seen like a TV show where there's like two rival schools and they like the other school's mascot is the goat. And so like the rival school like has to like try and steal it as the big prank. Like that's what I feel like Courtney wakes up every day and like tries to plan out like how she's going to prank the Stamoses by stealing the Disneyland D. But it's something that like <laughs> is actually her largest desire in life. <laughs> Courtney and Travis show up in ski masks to Caitlin Skybound and John Stamos's house <laughs> to steal the D. no. Or it's like an Ocean's 8 thing where they get an exact replica and replace it. <laughs> that is so niche. Like, I think we just lost maybe 30% of people, but I don't care. <laughs> if we only lost 30%, I would be thoroughly impressed. <laughs> okay, so the way that we did this is, again, not in order of scene, kind of more like by person in their storyline. So we're starting out with Kim and... This entire episode, or the majority of it, was really devoted to her continuing to find her voice in fashion, which I'm telling you, I know we have seen this as a theme for the last 
five or so episodes, but every time I'm surprised in her newfound sense of confidence in the sense that to me, it was always there. And clearly it wasn't. I mean, she's being so transparent and vulnerable about that, but I guess I'm still orienting myself to the idea that Kim really had not even been remotely confident on her own fashion-wise until maybe this moment. What I find really interesting is the way that Kim is almost using the fashion element of this as, I want to say like a scapegoat almost, where it's like, when you really listen to the way that she's describing this journey she's on of finding herself and her confidence and her voice and her voice specifically in fashion, like obviously most of the conversation is going to go to the fashion because that's something that we all know very well that Kanye did for her and provided her with. But when you listen to her speak, it's so much more than that. It was like a control that he had over her everyday life, day to day, not just fashion. And so you're watching her, of course, find her way in this world of fashion, but you're also seeing something that's a lot deeper than that. I know. And I genuinely think that at the time this was being filmed, she hadn't fully registered the way that his control had maybe manifested in other aspects of her life. Like I do believe that she was so hyper-focused on the fashion because it was perhaps the most tangible. Whereas there had to be so many other aspects of his control that were really present. And the other thing is like, take out the fashion, take out the other things that we're actually seeing in terms of tangible changes. To me, even just watching Kim's entire personality in this post-Kanye era, it's almost like we're witnessing the evolution to this more lighthearted Kim that we were remarking about most recently, the Met Gala with Pete. Like, all of these little scenes when you see her doing her first thing post-Kanye, I feel like we are just watching her path to becoming this lighter version of herself. I think we were talking about this on Monday's episode where we were saying, you know, something interesting about the dynamic with Kim and Kanye is that you had these two very conflicting things going on at the same time where it was like Kanye was constantly saying to her, like, fuck what everyone else thinks. Like, you know, you have to do what you want to do and say what you want to say and live life the way that I do it. And I don't care what anybody thinks. And at the same time, he's telling her exactly what to do and how to dress and, you know, again, what her aesthetic should be and what she should one out of like all of these different things that was his opinions. And it's now interesting, you know, kind of understanding it while you're watching Kim almost process it in real time, where it's like those two ideas purposely went together. It's like, ignore what everyone else thinks because I'm going to tell you what to think. Like that is entirely the control that Kanye had over Kim. And I think it's only now that she's able to see it just through the eyes of fashion that she's realizing the ways that it impacted her in, throughout her entire life, throughout her day to day. Well, I mean, I, I know this is completely out of order and we were going to do this scene last and we still can. But what about when she's sitting with the entire family at her kitchen table and she finds out that he's going to be releasing that song talking badly about her, but then says, I will never allow again what I allowed with Kanye in terms of the way that he treated you guys and, and what he put you guys through, which I know in a lot of ways he was really great to the family, but clearly there were things that were obviously an issue. And Kim is basically saying, I lost myself for a second there. You know, and she never leans too much into that because clearly there was so much good from her relationship with Kanye. I think for a very long time there, it was what she would consider to be blissful. And she would never, ever take it back because she got four beautiful children who she is so like grateful to have, obviously. But I found that line to be so interesting because there is nothing to Kim that's more important than loyalty. I mean, I would say that's probably her most valued currency. And so she was exhibiting loyalty clearly because it was to Kanye, but she, almost watching her come out of this and like looking at herself from a bird's eye view is fucking fascinating because to me, Kim is one of the most self-aware celebrities we know. There's been very few things so far that we've seen where I've been surprised to hear them say on camera. There's been a couple, like uh, definitely a couple of moments where I'm like, oh, it's interesting that they didn't cut that out. For example, when Chris was being rude to the driver in the car, I was shocked that that wasn't cut out. There's a couple Same. of other things where I'm like, ooh, ooh, I can't believe we got that piece of information. This was the first one where I was like, I know that this isn't something that was like a major, major thing that was being said, like information wise, like it was almost very nondescriptive in nature. For some reason, I just could not believe that that was something that was said on camera. I know. And what I found so interesting about that was on one hand, we know some of the things because obviously there were times over the years where Connie had been vocal about the family, specifically Chris on social media. But then I'm thinking to myself, what are the other things that went on behind the scenes that we had absolutely no idea about? 
that's what I was curious about as well, both in terms of the rest of the family and in terms of Kim. And something that I think was the reason I had such a hard time wrapping my head around the fact that this was a conversation that occurred on camera is because it was less about the fact that the family had to go through stuff with Kanye. Like, of course, that I'm sure that was a lot for them to have to go through. And, you know, I'm sure they saw the toll that that took on Kim. What was really interesting was almost the admission from Kim that the family went through that and she turned a blind eye to it. I know. That's what I'm saying. Like, I typically feel like Kim is not someone who operates in that way. And watching this scene was almost her watching her former self with a bird's eye view. And I think that it just speaks to the fact that no matter who you are, no matter how powerful or successful you are in your own life, or no matter the amount of self-confidence and self-respect you may have, that you can get yourself into a situation where you're potentially a little bit blinded by the controlling and potentially manipulative aspects of your partner. You know, it really just shows how this shit happens. Again, I'm not alleging something that does not exist. I'm not calling it abusive or anything in in that way. But clearly what she was alluding to was a situation that was more controlling than she realized at the time. And this is how this shit happens. It can happen to anyone. No, it absolutely can. It's You're seeing Kim in real time have these moments of clarity where she almost is able to, for the first time, actually reflect on what the last couple of years of her life has been. And I mean, that's a really crazy thing to watch, especially because you keep watching her almost admit it, but then not fully admit it. It's like anytime she has that conversation and, you know, it's like she's talking about the fashion element of it. And she'll say like, you know, I'm really lost now, Kanye. He used to tell me exactly what to wear and he always knew what like was in and what was fashionable and what would look good on me. And she'll have these moments where she like takes it a step further and she's like, like almost like among other things. But then she doesn't elaborate on those things. Like she only elaborates on the fashion element. And it's like almost like you're watching her process it and not fully allow herself to go there. Right. And I think part of that is because she's not going to fully go there on camera, but I really do believe she's just not fully letting herself go there even privately. And and probably at this point, you know, a few months down the line, she's gotten there more, but I just can't get over how much in real time this feels in terms of her processing it all. Right. Me too. And again, you're now also going to see that complete contrast in terms of the relationship between Kanye and the relationship between her and Pete. And it was actually Caitlin that was talking about this recently. I saw a lot of clips on TikTok of Caitlin on a podcast talking about this where she said, you know, Kim went through a lot with Kanye. Like Caitlin was basically saying, I loved Kanye. Like when I was transitioning, Kanye was hugely supportive of me and Kanye was a really great person to have around during that time, but he put Kim through a lot and Pete is the polar opposite of that. I know. And that's how we feel from the viewer perspective, kind of of like the breeziness that this relationship has and almost the ease she derives from it. So then to hear Caitlin, who's clearly much more intimately involved than we are, say that, it kind of felt validating. Oh, totally. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing me with free samples. So I don't know if you guys suffer from allergies, but kind of a new development in my life is that I apparently do. I didn't used to, but in the last few years, I've noticed specifically as the seasons change that I start to have allergies. And to me, there is nothing more uncomfortable than that feeling of nasal congestion. Like you just don't feel like yourself. And I was really looking for something that worked because so much of this stuff doesn't work. And I found Astapro to be really helpful. So I think it could be for you too, if you deal with this kind of stuff. So Astapro is a first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray, and it starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray, and Astapro delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. By the way, that 30 minutes thing is real, and for me to have relief in 30 minutes is just a game changer. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O-Allergy.com. Astapro and go. Uses directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. And then 
I would say I'm somewhere in the middle, like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics mascara, which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company. For every product purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which I just love knowing that I'm buying from a company that does that. And in terms of their mascara, so it's the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. You guys have seen that. It's the viral turquoise tube. I've saw it all over social media before I ever started using it. And it's a unique formula that creates tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. It's also super easy to remove. So it slides right off with warm water. It doesn't leave smudges. And the ingredients are really nourishing. So they support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It really just gets the job done. Like you will see what I mean when you try it. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 10% off your first order. Anyway, in terms of the episode, you know, we're watching her get her official Balenciaga campaign. And she says, I've pretty much been a walking Balenciaga campaign for a while now. And that's what we had been saying, which is why when she actually got the official campaign, it made so much sense. But something she didn't specify here, and I didn't expect her to, but I still am curious, is what was the deal before it was, quote, official? Like, what was the financial situation? What was the sponsorship situation? Because the way that she presented it here was very, very natural. Like she just so happened to be wearing Balenciaga and then Demna asked her to her surprise to be in the campaign. And that was not at all how I had viewed it. Like it felt a little bit more official, a little bit more strategic. So I still am curious what was the backstory leading up to the quote official campaign. Yeah, she presented it as if it would be like if Aloe asked me to, you know, be part of their campaign and it's like, oh, I've been wearing Aloe for every single second of every single day for the past two years. Thank you so much for thinking of me. But when I was thinking about like this beforehand in terms of the Balenciaga looks to being part of the campaign pipeline, I had always pictured it as a much more formal campaign beforehand. Like I had always pictured it as maybe it wasn't a paid campaign. Maybe it was like a, you know, Demna working with Kim's stylist and having all of these outfits for Kim and whatever she chose to wear them would be up to her. But I definitely did not picture it as Kim just doing this on her own and then the campaign coming afterwards. Right. And she was never going to get into the specifics of that in the way that I would have wanted her to. But we can't forget that this whole time, Kanye had been working very closely with Balenciaga. So there was a lot of Kanye Balenciaga behind the scenes involvement as well. So I'm sure that factored into it. But yeah. It's, it's something that we won't ever know, but I would do sick shit to know the actual logistics of the lead up. I'm curious if Kim feels that sense of safety almost, which is such a strange word to use after having that entire conversation about Kanye. But I do wonder if there is a sense of like validation in Balenciaga as a brand and Kim's association with them simply just because of Kanye's association as well. I'm sure that exists to some extent. I also think she just genuinely really enjoys working with Demna and trusts his vision. But, you know, on top of all of this, I know we just had that whole conversation about the control manifesting itself into fashion and I stand by everything we just said. However, on top of that, I genuinely believe there is a part of Kim that loves being dressed, whether it's by Kanye or by Balenciaga or by whoever it is, because of the ease. Like when she says, I will be a robot or I love having a room that's just Balenciaga and I don't have to think about it. Yes, maybe some of that still comes from the fact that she hasn't fully found her voice, but I almost think about it similarly to how she describes coming into her house after such a hectic day outside and it being like this nude minimalist palace almost. I kind of understand what she means by that, where it's like, it's just one thing in the day she doesn't want to have to fucking think about, which is so directly antithetical to everything you would think because Kim's fashion presence is such a huge aspect of what makes her who she is in terms of like the figure that she is. But I, I really do think that aside from everything else, the potential control, the potential still needing to gain her own self-confidence in that regard, I think some of it's like, fuck it, I just don't want to have to think about it. Oh, totally. I mean, I don't want to have to think about it and I wear the same thing every day. So like, I, I get it, that constant pressure of not only everyone looking at you to see what you're going to wear, but also on top of that, that newfound idea of everyone's going to be looking at me to see what I'm going to wear with the knowledge that Kanye is no longer dressing me, which by the way, 
I do feel like this entire acknowledgement of how involved Kanye was in her day-to-day fashion was a really honest thing to admit, because I think we always knew that Kanye had such a large part in it. I don't think that we ever really knew that every single day, every single thing that she put on her body was something that Kanye had approved or picked out or had a hand in. Because again, and I think we said this in one of the first episodes, it's like, when you think about Kim, so much of that is the association of her in fashion. And to know that like, she's basically sitting here and being like, I'm almost a fraud in that way. Like, that is an incredibly honest conversation to have and admit to. I know. And I think we said that last week. That's what I was almost blown away by. Like, I'm not so surprised that she's admitting some of the aspects of control. I'm almost more surprised that she's admitting, I don't want to say her lack of fashion ownership, but the way she's presenting it is like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. And she's starting to feel like she knows what she's doing. But I so understand what you're saying where it's like, we associate Kim or a lot of us do as like a fashion icon. And she's basically peeling back the curtain and being like, I'm literally just standing here. Like there are stilts under me and people are dressing me and I'm just the model. Right. It's like pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Like the man behind the curtain the entire time has been Kanye. And now it's like, that's all coming down and she's holding her own. Like we're seeing her continuously hold her own. But the thing is that every single time now that we see Kim in an outfit that we don't love or that maybe isn't her best look, it's now going to come back to that conversation of like, oh my God, they did so much better when Kanye was dressing them. Like think about them walking around for Courtney's wedding. Some looks were great. Some looks people didn't love. A lot of looks people were very mixed on. A lot of looks everybody hated. Like there was such a good difference of opinion there. But every time that somebody didn't like a look, there was a tweet that was like, they did so much better when Kanye was dressing them or like Kanye really left and took the fashion with them. And so now even in this current era without Kanye, Kim trying to be on her own, she still can't escape that association. But you know, it's so interesting because of course I've seen that from me, like my perspective. And I feel like a, a lot of people's that watch this family more favorably. It's like, even now, if I see an outfit of Kim's that I don't love, you're not going to find me criticizing in the way that I used to. Cause I'm like, give her a breath. She's still finding her footing without Kanye. Like I'm going to give her that grace because the entire internet coming for her is probably her biggest fear in this stage. I also think though, back to her dressing herself for New York, the entire time she was there for SNL and that being like the first time that she really did that and feeling like we had no idea that that was going on when we were looking at those outfits. And I think that we all spent that entire time being like, wow, Kim is killing it this week. Kim is absolutely killing it with every single thing she's wearing. Totally. And the whole Met Gala thing was completely sans Connie, which I know people had mixed feelings on, but personally, I loved it. Oh, I, I did too. But that's a whole separate conversation. Yeah. <laughs> Another aspect from this scene that I wanted to discuss is when we find out that Kendall basically lost the U.S. Vogue cover to Kim. Two things that I wanted to highlight here. The first is when Kim in her confessional says, 15 years ago, I would have killed Kendall myself because she would have been buried before she took this cover for me. Like that was the level of my desperation. And secondly, we can discuss after, I want to talk about the way that Kendall was when Chris talked to her in her office. I would love to talk about both those things. <laughs> okay. Well, you want to start with the first? <laughs> yeah. Why don't you kick us off? <laughs> I mean, I just think it's such an honest reflection of her past. You know, that's the thing about Kim. She never strays too far away from the real starvation of fame that she felt early on. Like she so owns it because she knows that without it, she wouldn't have gotten to where she is today. <laughs> I was laughing because I remembered when we were watching the promos for this scene. It it didn't seem like Kim was saying that, you know, I would have done that years ago. When we saw the promos, it seemed like Kim was saying I would kill her before she took this Vogue cover from me in this current day and age, like about this cover. And so I was just laughing about the fact that she actually meant that in retrospect, but it would have been completely understandable and completely on brand had she been saying it about this current cover. It would have made sense, but it wouldn't have really been on brand. Like, I believe her when she says that now she would just have so much happiness for Kendall. No, of course. But it was said in a joking enough way that there was obviously no malice behind the words that she was saying in terms of, quote, killing Kendall to get the cover, that it would have been believable had it been this one. Had she been really serious about it and been like, 
over my dead body. Is she going to get this? I'd been like, okay, this is a little like, this doesn't seem like you, but because it was joking in nature, it could have easily been a reflection of this one rather than a past. This one made so much more sense though, the fact that it was about the past, because when she was explaining that, I was thinking back to those earlier seasons and we never really would have fully gotten it because in the very early seasons, Kendall was not nearly the model that she is now. Like she was only first starting out, but let's just assume for a moment that old Kim just so happened to be the same age as Kendall at the height of her modeling. (laughs) She would have lost it. Like absolutely fucking lost it. Oh, I mean, beyond, it is really funny watching like the promos being placed in the actual episodes and getting the context behind the things that they're saying, because there has been a couple points in time where I've been like, oh, wow, I didn't think that that's what that was going to be about. Or like, oh, I didn't think that that was going to be in this specific scene. Like most specifically, I would say when Kendall asked Courtney, don't you have sympathy for Scott? And then we find out that that is literally the night that Courtney got engaged. I was blown away by that. Or when Chloe says the whole thing about why do we make excuses for the people that traumatize us and then that never even made the episode. It's going to haunt me for the rest of my life that we won't know what that was said about. (laughs) By the way, quick nightmare fuel. We find out that this preview of Kim saying here's how it went down with Pete was only for promo sake and we get like majorly blue balled next week. They wouldn't do that. That's just cruel and unusual punishment. Who would do that? I know, I know. I just I didn't mean to take us down that dark road just for one second. <laughs> Why would somebody say something so awful? I'm Why would sorry. you do that to me? <laughs> but anyway, just to go back to the scene where Chris is breaking the news to Kendall, to me, I was so confused why Chris had any sort of anxiety about it because to me, this felt like the least anxiety-provoking conversation to have. Like, If you're going to choose a kid to have to break this to, I just feel like so clearly it's Kendall. There's no way that she was ever going to react negatively. I was so anxious about this. I, I don't even know how you weren't. I was like so nervous. Were you actually? Yeah, I was just like so scared she was going to be upset. No, to me, I felt like this was the exact reaction that she was going to do. Like, I didn't think she was going to be angry. Like, I thought that maybe for a second she'd be like a little bit disappointed or her feelings would be hurt. But I just like felt so bad for Chris that she had to be the one to like deliver this news that it was like making me so anxious to watch. And then as soon as Kendall was like, oh, I don't care. I was like, I knew that was going to be your reaction. Like, I'm not surprised by that being your reaction. I'm just relieved. But I'm just projecting because I hate confrontation. I think maybe that's what it is. I was just about to say, do you think that that's what's happening here? Yeah, totally. I kind of think that's what's happening too, because to me, I was just envisioning how Chris was going to break it, but then she didn't even have to do it because the agent told her first. That's the part that I was most relieved about. I was so happy that someone else had gotten to Kendall and that Chris didn't have to be the one to do that. It's totally a confrontation thing. It's so funny because I was putting myself in Chris's shoes and I saw in that moment that she was relieved. But if it was me personally, like I was literally thinking how I would have felt. And I think I would have been so much happier to do it myself than to have someone else do it. You know what I mean? No, I don't know what you mean. But do you understand what I'm saying? Like, this is such a fucking perfect example of how even a show like this that is quite literally the most unrelatable thing in the entire world, we're talking about two sisters competing over the cover of US Vogue, we still, like we as the viewer, still personalize it into our own communication styles and how we would approach it. That's why it works. Like this is such a prime example of how never in our wildest dreams could we relate to the conversation of having to sit your two daughters down and explain to one of them that they're not getting the cover of US Vogue, yet I was right there in the conversation as far as I was concerned. No, you're so right. Fifty high school senior girls descend on Mobile, Alabama every summer to compete for a massive cash prize. It isn't Survivor. It's one of America's most lucrative scholarship competitions for teen girls. It's been around for seven decades. Now you'll hear what took place behind the scenes. From Pineapple Street Studios and Wondery comes the competition. Host Shima Oliai was Nevada's contestant 20 years ago. Now she's returning as a judge to find out what two weeks with 50 of the country's most ambitious teens can tell us about girlhood in America. What happens when the competitors are thrown into the deep end with the best and brightest? And how does surviving the competition prepare them for everything that comes after? Follow the competition on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of the competition early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Apartments.com believes the dishwasher does more than just clean plates. It turns your whole place into a time machine by turning the time you would have spent washing dishes into extra time for you. 
That could mean more time to read, more time to knit, or more time to contemplate the vastness of time itself. With Apartments.com, finding somewhere to live with an elusive dishwashing slash time-expanding device is easy. And listen, we all have our non-negotiables in terms of what we really want when looking for an apartment. I know for me, natural light has always been really important. I just know myself and I am a happier person when I have that natural light throughout the day. And I also told myself that in my next place, I will definitely have a washer and dryer because you just can't beat that convenience. And I know it can be hard to find, but when you find it, I think it is so worth it. Apartments.com hosts the most rental listings with over 1 million available units. And with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit Apartments.com, the place to find a place. I really want to talk about the Kylie and Chris of it all. So badly. Such a good duo. How likable is Kylie? I know. I'm telling you, we saw it from the moment she was in the car going to in and out on the way to Courtney's proposal. She is really bringing her most likable self to the season. And I think part of that comes from the fact that she has her pregnancy attitude of like, fuck it. I just want to live my best life. Totally. And I always find that there's something about when Kylie is with Chris that it really, really brings out her best side. Like there's just something about this very soft daughterly approach that Kylie takes in her relationship with Chris that's a little bit different than all the other kids that I find myself liking Kylie so much in those moments. Like it's almost like Chloe in the sense of you know that they have this very special bond Chloe's a little bit harsher in nature and a little bit more joking in nature when it comes to Chris, where Kylie is just a sweetheart in those moments. And I just love watching that dynamic. And I also think part of that comes from Kylie being the youngest. Oh, totally. Yeah. And I also think that in so many aspects of Kylie's life, she grew up really quickly, you know, one with fame, two with plastic surgery, three with money and and having children at a kind of young age that I think when she's with Chris, she's almost allowed, like it gives her permission to almost revert back to her childlike self in a way and kind of just be like the kid. And I think that even though she's so comfortable in the phase of her life that she's in, she probably really derives a lot of comfort from that. Totally. Yes. Anyway, so this scene, it's basically a day of them doing the most mundane, normal people shit. And I know a lot of people found this to be wildly out of touch. And it completely was. But I don't know. To me, I'm like, that's why I watch it. Like, there are so many people we can watch that are so in touch and one of us. And like, these people that haven't been to the grocery store in 10 years, that's kind of why I'm watching. Like, absolutely. I totally get it. It's some of the most out of touch shit you've ever seen that them putting back the cart is like a celebratory experience. But that's also why for 45 minutes a week, I get to watch the show and use it as my form of escapism. So yes, it's literally the most out of touch thing ever, but <laughs> that's why I love it. I loved every second of this. I thought it was a genius concept for a TV show. I would die to watch other celebrity pairings just doing normal activities like this. And not in a way where it's like, oh, take the most out of touch person you know and like throw them into a situation, like a simple life. Like, I don't mean that at all. I mean, just like celebrities doing mundane activities and being really excited about those things. Like, it's not just like they went to the grocery store and that was it. It was like, they didn't know that they made uh, tater tots out of sweet potatoes. Chris didn't know to insert her card. Do you realize that? Like Chris has not handled her own money in a way where like she swiped her credit card still. No, I know. I mean, clearly it was played out for the show a little bit because it was a plot point, but it's not really that much of a dramatization in my opinion. It's not so different than when Andy Cohen will have someone like Kathy and Paris Hilton on Watch What Happens and he'll ask them if they know what an average price of a carton of eggs is. You know, like... Yes, it is so out of touch with reality, but if the Kardashians are nothing if not out of touch with reality. And isn't that why we enjoy them? I mean, for me, yes. And also, I felt like he was actually slightly different than that sort of an out of touch where it's like, oh, I have no idea how much a carton of milk costs because it wasn't the the normalcy of like everyday life that was funny about it. It was the fact that they were having so much fun with it. Like when Kylie was driving and she was like, oh my God, IHOP, like, will you please take me to IHOP? Like, it's not like she was saying like, oh, 
I could never go into an IHOP. Like, let's do this funny thing and go. It's like she just genuinely wanted to go to IHOP and it would be like a funny thing for her and Chris to go together. And then when they were like in the car wash, like in the car doing the car wash, like, do you know how much fun a car wash is? Like, I feel like we all forget that. And I was like, yes, this is this is weirdly universal. Like doing mundane activities and having fun with them is the draw of this. No, when they're going through the car wash and she looks at Chris dead serious and is like, we have to take the kids here. (laughs) I was like, Stormy just got off of Kylie Air to a fucking private wedding through the streets of Portofino. (laughs) You think a car wash is the thing that's going to get her excited? But then the irony of it is that it probably would. But that's what I'm saying. Like, think about North. North has been to probably every restaurant. Kanye literally just took her to Nobu because he got back in town. But where does North want to go when she wins her basketball game? Red Lobster. Right. There is something about the normalcy of it all. I think that it was almost how amused they were with quite literally the most mundane activities that I was just having fun watching. Like you said in the beginning, I was really smiling the whole time. And I know a lot of people will watch this and think it's so wildly tone deaf and so out of touch and all of those things. And they have an argument. I mean, it, like, it, it factually is. But I guess I just treat this so much as escapism that I want to watch the show and zone out and then rewatch it again and decide like how I think we should do the episode. But yeah, I don't know. I, I just had fun. Like, sue me. Obviously, same. Also, something that we have to mention is when Kylie's pushing the cart back and Chris hits her with the you're doing amazing, sweetie. Like she has really leaned into understanding how iconic that line has become. And she's so comfortable with almost being a parody of herself. And I think it is a really fine line to walk, like to be able to do that in a way that actually is appealing while acknowledging that it's performative. And I find it really, really fun. Chris just cracks me up as a person so that when she then quotes her most iconic lines in a way where like she fully acknowledges a the absurdity of it b the situations in which she's using it in and c the fact that she has pretty much beaten this joke to death all of it creates for like the perfect way of saying it I know I know and I just enjoy it Also, so random, but I have to find this account. If I can find it, I'll put the link in the description. If not, I'll do it for next week. There's an account on TikTok of this woman that after Kardashians and various Real Housewives franchises, she posts every single one of their bags, like exactly what it is, how much. It is so interesting if you're into that kind of shit. And I'm sure she's going to do it for this episode because even just the bag that Kylie was carrying to the grocery store was sick. Chris is really into that oversized black Bottega. And I think she rocks it, don't you? Of course. Yeah. I want to see her in it in the bright green. Me too. I was re-watching the episode where um, – I'm already re-watching. Like, but the season's not done. I'm fully on a rewatch. I was re-watching <laughs> the episode where Kim is getting ready for SNL and she's packing. And she has all of the Balenciagas stacked waiting to like – per outfit in every single color. And I was just staring at them. And I was like, oh my God, to have them all just lined up like that. I, I can't like, also like she steps into her house and I think she says it in this episode where she's like, I step in, it's like a Balenciaga showroom. And she's so right. I know. And she loves it. That's what we were saying earlier that she finds so much comfort in that. I wonder if there's another brand that she'll adopt in that same way. I'm sure there is. I I could so see this being the type of thing where three years down the line, that's her with YSL or Versace. I really could see it with Versace, actually. Yeah, something a little bit more like trendy. I I mean, Balenciaga is the perfect brand for her. It it makes more sense than I think any other one that I could pick out. But I am interested to see where she goes from here. Yeah, I mean, I'll put it like this. If Virgil was still alive, I could totally have seen maybe in a few years down the line some sort of an off-white situation. I could have seen it being – I mean, I still could see it being Louis as her next thing. I don't know. For some reason, I can't. But I think that that's just because I've been really disappointed with some of the recent Louis looks that we've seen on the red carpet. Like, you know how the joke used to be that the celebrities that signed on to a Chanel contract basically screwed themselves because the red carpet looks have been so bad recently, like a la Margot Robbie? Yeah. I almost feel like for a brief moment, that's kind of what was happening with Louis. I I mean, you know, I fucking love Louis in my own personal life, but I don't know. I don't think that that's her next move, but I could be wrong. 
But do you think that's what's happening with Emma Chamberlain right now? No, I think Emma's fucking killing it. And I'm not saying every single person, but Sophie Turner, as an example, who could look good in anything. Recently, one of the jokes has been like, fuck, even Louis Vuitton is screwing over Sophie Turner, who people felt like could do no wrong fashion wise. So I don't know, just interesting conversation. And I would love to see where Kim takes it next. It is interesting to have that conversation in terms of what we were trying to hypothesize about Kim's relationship with Balenciaga, because that's a situation that Kim would never end up in. She would never sign an exclusivity contract with one single brand, although it seems like she has an exclusivity contract with Balenciaga. I know. I know. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists. Like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainor, New Kids on the Block, Sean Paul, Sum 41, Whitney Cummings, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit livenation.com slash concertweek to buy now. That's livenation.com slash concertweek to buy now. People have so many different hacks for getting a good night's sleep. And it's not to say that those don't work, but I really think you cannot discount the power of just good quality sheets and how much that can transform your sleep. I told you guys about these before, but as far as I'm concerned, Bowl and Branch are the best sheets on the market. And I think for me, the thing that like makes them so good is that they're really soft and luxurious while also being breathable. So they kind of work in all weather and their signature sheets are their best seller. They come in 14 versatile colors in all sizes from twin up to California King. I have them in the color stone. I have them in the color mineral. I have the waffle blanket. I have so many things from this company. Everything is just quality and their sheets are made with the finest hundred percent organic cotton and completely free from toxins. Also, they said this, but I didn't really get it until I started using the sheets. They do get softer with every wash and you'll see that. I've gotten these as gifts for so many people and every single person has been a repeat customer. And there's a 30 night worry free guarantee. So you can wash style and sleep in their sheets for an entire month. And if you don't love them, you can send them right back. Sleep better with the softest, most breathable bedding from Bolin Branch. Get 15% off your order when you use promo code CBC at BolinBranch.com. That's Bolin Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com, promo code CBC. Exclusions apply, see site for details. Okay, moving on to Courtney and Travis, which I want to get into the cleanse and all of that in a second, but I just want to say this before I forget. Do you remember last week when we were talking about how Courtney and Travis must talk about the Scott stuff, but I was saying, I feel like that's something that she won't film, like just her and Travis talking about it alone, not even really for confidentiality reasons. Like I don't think what she would say to Travis is necessarily so different than what we already see her say. I just feel like she really doesn't even want that associated with her Travis narrative. Yeah, totally. Okay, so this week in the last scene when they're at Kim's and she's talking to Chloe about the conversation she had with Scott, she's not talking to Travis about it one-on-one. So still what I was saying last week, I guess technically still stands, like she hasn't filmed that yet. But you see when she's explaining to Chloe exactly what went down, she starts to say, I said to Scott, I think that would be helpful. And you see Travis chime in and say beneficial, which clearly shows that she outlined for him exactly what went down with the Scott conversation. But this was almost like the first acknowledgement of that. You know, it was interesting in the way that you're describing it, and you're probably right about that being the case. I picked up on that, but I didn't think it was a situation where Courtney had just explained it to Travis and he was recounting it. I thought it was a situation like in my head where Courtney was explaining it to Chloe and used the specific word choice. And then Travis kind of not cut in, but like, like gave her an example of like a word choice that would be better fitting to the situation. Well, but either way, it's kind of the same thing. No, 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 it is. But in my mind, it wasn't a situation where it was like Travis was saying it as a tool to remind her of what was said. It was more like Travis was saying it as like um, a communication style. Oh, interesting. Honestly, either is possible. I thought it was the first, but you totally could be right. But to me, it's like, even just in that, it's still an acknowledgement that he was filled in on her conversation with Scott, which like we were saying last week, he has to be like, they talk about everything, but we've never gotten to see it. So that one little moment of him interjecting, whether it was for my reason or your reason, whichever one of us are right, it still proves the point. Like we were saying last week that they do have these conversations about Scott. It's just in private. I liked this moment because it felt like the most real we had ever seen in their relationship, specifically because 
that was the only thing that Travis really said. It was like a conversation between Courtney and Chloe and Courtney filling Chloe in and Travis was sitting right there supportively, you know, obviously was already cued into the conversation, already knew what was going on. But it wasn't a moment where Courtney was saying something and Travis was sitting there being like, okay, baby, whatever you want, baby. Sure, baby. Like anything that makes you happy. Like it was just a real moment where Travis was listening to Courtney speak. It felt really real that there wasn't that constant um, validation of like, okay, baby, whatever you think, babe, whatever you want, babe. Like it was just real. Right. It was so normal. It was no different than like if you and I were sitting down and I was having a conversation with Jake, for example, about something that we you were present for, like you would have just interjected in the way that Travis did because that's like the normal thing to do. Right. Like it was just I can't even explain it, but it was like the first time where I was like, oh, you guys like can just like exist, which is like fine. Like, again, I'm not like down playing that or being hard on it because that is it's not for show like that is really the way that they speak to each other I think that if it was a situation where I felt like or the audience felt like that this constant back and forth between the two of them was just for show would be a totally different circumstance it wasn't it's more that conversation of like how sustainable is that communication style like how sustainable is it for your entire relationship every single day to be this back and forth. And so to see one moment where it's like, that wasn't the case, it like gave me a much clearer glimpse into their relationship than we had ever gotten before, even though it was so minor. Yeah. But what's interesting is that it was so juxtaposed with the rest of the episode, which was very much in their typical communication style, you know, like the majority of the focus on their plot line, this particular episode was how hard it was for them to not have sex or not orgasm in any way. So I I feel like it was a brief moment of like, quote, normalcy amidst a really hyper focus on the aspects of their relationship that we're so used to seeing. When Courtney is saying that she couldn't remember if her thyroid levels were too high or too low, but the doctor said to her that she should be drinking Travis's cum four times a week to aid with that. I was like, Travis, you didn't have to pay the doctor to say that. Like, she probably would have drank your cum four times a week anyway. <laughs> that is exactly what I was going to say. Like, there is no way you are not in cahoots with this doctor, Travis. The only reason he wouldn't be in cahoots is because literally all he would have to say is like, Courtney, I kind of want you to drink my cum four times a week. And she would be like, okay, great. Throw it in a matcha. Yeah, no, to me, it's like Manish Chana. Like, why is this night different than the others? <laughs> Yeah, like she's like four times a week. I was already up to seven. <laughs> Not a th- <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> Sorry. What you didn't you didn't like me making a Travis come matcha latte? <laughs> it was just like the combination of the matcha latte and the Passover four questions, like all surrounded by his comment, just felt like a lot for thirty seconds. I'm not a, I'm not mad at it. I just I was just reflecting on the last thirty seconds. It was like, think of the three most random items that have absolutely no connection, like Passover matcha lattes and Travis Barker's cum. Yeah. And somehow it makes so much sense. I couldn't have connected three things more easily. Yeah. I mean, listen, I know a lot of people probably found this to be slightly bizarre, but I love watching any of this kind of stuff. I'm always just fascinated by it. And especially because it's different if it was like Kim or Chloe doing something like this, because you know that they'd be going in with a very kind of skeptical attitude or almost doing it because they think it would be a fun thing to be filmed. Whereas to me, like this is not performative for Courtney. This is the exact type of stuff that she has believed in for years now. And she's so on board with it and clearly derives a lot of comfort from it. So to me, I like watching her do it because I can tell she's like genuinely feeling fulfilled by it. Yeah. I mean, listen, this so isn't my thing and I can't like say that I fully get it, but watching Courtney do it is like, I love that because I know her like well enough to know the way that she responds and reacts and enjoys things like this. And so even though I didn't get this particular thing, I get Courtney enough to be able to like put the pieces together in my mind. And also on top of that, it was so enjoyable watching her do this with Travis because not to bring it back to Scott, but like, you know, that if Scott was in this position, this just would not be going down in the slightest. Like he would just be constantly making fun of her for this. Where with Travis, it was no question. Like, of course he was going to do this with her. Of course he was not going to have any questions about it. Of course he was going to enjoy it the entire time and be happy to do it. Not just because she wanted to do it, but also because he's kind Kind of into stuff like this. And so it's moments like this where they're not that their relationship hasn't been making sense since I think 
the moment we saw, not to bring it back to a matcha latte, but I think from the moment we saw Travis with the matcha latte in his hand, it all made sense. But even these just like completely bring you back to that idea. Yeah. And I feel like when she said that in her confessional of like, you know, it's important to him because we would be having this baby together, not those exact words, whatever she said, she didn't mention Scott, but in a way it was almost like a, a Scott subtweet. And it makes a lot of sense because she's right. You know, Travis is so much more connected to her desires and what's important to her than Scott ever was. And also, like you said, a part of him is also just into this kind of stuff. Were you shocked to see them having coffee in um, in Italy today? Like they posted cappuccinos. I was like, oh, I didn't know that you guys drink coffee. Well, I knew that they drink coffee only because I see how much the no caffeine was impacting them on this cleanse. Matcha has a little bit of caffeine in it. Yes, I know. Remember, I just had it recently at uh, Chacha Matcha. Chacha Matcha, Sophia I, Richie's ex-boyfriend. And what a little full circle moment that is, huh? You're so right. The only reason I was surprised is maybe Courtney drinks it, but I know that Travis said in his Arc Digest thing that like he points to the kitchen table and is like, well, when I used to drink coffee, this is where I would have it. Oh, wow. <laughs> you are right. That, that is a moment of being in too deep. We realized that you just realized yeah. that he doesn't drink caffeine because of a moment that he said in his architectural digest tour. And to me, that's a win. I know some people would consider that embarrassing. I, I think that that level of attention is actually a win. But you know what? That's not Kardashian specific because we all caught Dakota Johnson in that lime lie. Yes, true. Which, by the way, Kendall posting the cucumber on the cutting board on her story tonight with the caption like, here we go again. That was exactly what we were saying on Monday's episode when Kylie posted the TikTok of them from the wedding, her and Kendall, and made the caption like, me and cucumber girl. And we were like, we wish Kendall would lean into it in the way that Kylie did. A little late, but that was Kendall leaning into it beautifully. Uh, You know what? Better late than never. Totally. I want to tell you guys about this new show that I think you are really going to like, and I'm sure you have heard of it. There's been a lot of buzz recently. It's called The First Lady on Showtime. And before I even get into what it's about, let me just tell you, it's a powerhouse cast. It's Viola Davis as Michelle Obama, Michelle Pfeiffer as Betty Ford, Jillian Anderson as Eleanor Roosevelt, Jake Picking, Julian De Niro, Kiefer Sutherland. Like It really is stacked. And Kind of what the show explores is peeling back the curtain on the personal and political lives of some of our most famous and unforgettable first ladies. And so season one focuses on Eleanor Roosevelt, Betty Ford, and Michelle Obama. And the whole idea is that there's so much more to these women than just being first lady. So it's their inner lives that at times are messy, are kind of hidden from view a lot. And what this show is doing is really exploring that. So These are very influential women that have complex marriages and secret lovers, and there's mothers battling addiction and daughters not going down without a fight. And I think, you know, the other thing that I appreciate about this show is that it kind of shows how the world is watching as these women are really carving out a legacy outside of their husband's presidency. You know, it's just really interesting. It's a good watch. It's streaming now only on Showtime, and I'm going to put a link in the description where you can watch the first two episodes for free. I really think you're going to enjoy it. Okay, ending with Chloe's house, which I know we didn't expect to end here, but it kind of just feels good. It feels amazing. One of the best parts of the show is the subplot of it being an Arc Digest shoot every single episode. I don't know. I mean, it's really too soon to call it because we've seen so little. But I think right now in this current moment, if I'm ranking, I have to say that I think out of all of their houses, including Chris, which I know is bold, like I, I, I'm saying, acknowledging it's too early to call. I think if I had to choose tomorrow, I'm moving into Chloe's. Wow. I don't disagree with you. I mean, you could probably have Courtney's. I think she's at Travis's now. (laughs) No, I love Courtney's house, but I mean, okay, let's just go through them all. Kendall's I like. Oh, Kendall's is it for me. Okay. Well, I'm glad we accomplished that so early on. I was going to say Kylie's is obviously sick, but personally for me, it's it's not as much my style. Kim's beautiful to look at would not want to live there, would feel way too stressed drinking any sort of coffee or anything, even remotely with any sort of pigment on the couch. Chris's beautiful, but like it's Chris's. What the fuck are any of us going to do there? Scott's I like, but again, the floors are very, very light and everything just feels to be super light. And then for some reason I saw Chloe's and I was like, that feels fucking massive, but also strangely cozy. 
I really love Chloe's. Like I really, and I love Chloe's old home. I feel like I knew that home like the back of my hand. Like I felt very connected to Chloe's last home. I love this one. I love that you can see the way her style carries between the two of them. And this is almost more like the evolution of that style. To me, I will always choose Kendall's home. There is something really, really special about that home. It is so beautifully, perfectly done. It has so much character. It has so, I mean, I really, when I picture that green kitchen, I just, I fall in love all over again. Yeah. I mean, listen, what are we, what are we choosing from here? You can't make a bad decision, but I think in this moment, if you ask me, it's Chloe's new house. I have to see more of it to really tell, but I have to say, Julie, I wouldn't have chosen Chloe's old house if I was choosing because it's like, I didn't love the white kitchen contrasted with those really dark, almost shiny floors like that. That wasn't, I don't know. It was a little too harsh. I didn't love her kitchen, but there were other aspects of the house that I really did love. Kendall's, to me, the reason that I love it is because it has the most character. Like, it has the most pops of color, but done really well. Just, like, it's different. You know, that's the thing. Like, that's why I don't love Scott's house. Like, believe me, it's beautiful. I'll take it any day of the week. But it doesn't feel different. It feels almost like a typical Beverly Hills, L.A., Calabasas, like, pre-designed home. Kim's is just specific to Kim. Like I die for that house. Believe me. Like every time I'm in it, I can't believe that we get to see it, but it's nothing that I would want. (laughs) Kendall's is the only home where I could like see myself living in it and like being happy every day to be in it. I would be happy every day to be in any of those homes. I don't mean that. I'm just saying like in the way that I would choose to style a home. You know something, as you were talking about the character, I almost feel that way. Very, very different, obviously, but almost to Kylie's old house, the one that I believe Black China was living in. I lose track because she has so many, but you know which one I'm talking about. The one with the condom art? I think so. The one with almost like the staircase with the glass railing. There's that big window that she would always take the photos in front of. I don't remember exactly which house it is in the scheme of things at this current moment. But to me, from what we've seen, that one has more character than her current house, even though I think her current house is definitely, quote, like sexier. I love that one of Kylie. She still has it. She still has it. I know. I just, I can't remember because she has so many, I feel like, or we've just seen so many, but I, I believe that that is the correct one that I'm talking about. Yeah. I love that one too. I so agree. Anyway, going back to Chloe, love this house. So happy for her. Really do feel like this is indicative of this new era of her life. But remember how last week we were debating whether or not when she's filming that orange confessional, it was filmed before or after the Tristan news broke? Yes. Last week, I cast my vote saying that I think it was filmed after the fact, and I'm standing firm on that this week. There is no way that she would be talking about Tristan moving into the home and she would not have more of a sparkle in her eye. Like to me, this was a woman who clearly had to do this confessional because that's how the show was filmed, but she was fucking miserable having to sit there and talk about something that was so clearly not happening anymore. Do you still, do you not think so anymore? I'm still not sure. Like, I'm still not sure timeline wise. It's not that like, just to be clear, it's not a situation where I'm like, no, they would never lie to us like that and like film it after the fact and pretend like that's so not what I mean. I obviously they would definitely do that. I just cannot tell whether or not that's the case because there's a part of me that I totally understand what you're saying about like the sparkle in her eye, quote unquote. There's a part of me that can also easily say that like that's the result of just a lot of uncertainty. No, I mean, I guess it's possible. I don't know. I guess to me, I'm like, this is the house of your dreams and you are finally moving in with Tristan. It's like such a new start that I feel like if this was filmed at the height of when she was feeling like this, there would just be a little more going on in her eyes than this. And I felt sad, like watching it. I'm like, fuck, I hate that you have to relive this now consciously knowing what a piece of shit he is. But the counter argument is that this really was filmed before she found out. And that's just the natural amount of sparkle that would be in her eyes because somewhere deep down, she knew that it wasn't going to work out. Right. I'm also curious, of course, about that conversation in terms of Tristan moving in. Like, was that a situation where he had been asking for a while and Chloe finally caved? Is that something that they, you know, now that they were back together that they had agreed upon? Like, I'm very, very curious about the logistics of how that went down. I know. It's kind of like how we were talking about last week. We're curious about the logistics of how they went from just platonic to then bringing the romance back. Yeah. Oh my God. There's a lot of questions I have there. I think I have more questions for Chloe than any other member of the family. I know. Oh my God. I can't even. And she's also so much more like open, you know, just she's, she's just the realist objectively. She is the realist for sure. Yeah. 
Anyway, is there anything else from this episode that you want to mention? No, I cannot wait for next week, though. I know. Ugh, I'm sorry we're off. But also, I feel like when we spoke about this, like me and Isabel, when we were planning the dates that we were going to take off, we decided like it's important to do it so that we feel enthusiastic every single week. You know, like we don't want to feel that feeling of being burnt out. So I am happy that we're taking off next week, but holy fuck, I can't wait to discuss it on Monday. I'm already so excited. I know, I know. Okay, well, we love you guys so much. Thank you for listening and letting us do this. And we will be back the following Monday. So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada. For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or bills that randomly go up without properly alerting you or budget airlines with cheap fares, but then exorbitant fees to make up for it elsewhere. And we just should not need to be dealing with this type of yada yada in our lives. And yes, you could read every single word of every single contract and that's one way of avoiding it. Or you can go with a trusted brand like Metro by T-Mobile that helps you to get ahead and not pull you back. That's right. You don't take yada yada from life. So don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and not a yada yada, which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like you shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide.